the football frenzy. The football frenzy on Cofield and Company. Company. Here we go, five o'clock hour. Ari is running things. Adam Hill is the company. It's Cofield. We're going to get into the Broncos. Big rivalry. I always love asking the former Bronco players, like, do you care about this? And today will be really interesting because we often get a chance to speak with like old timey Broncos when things were really heated in the AFC West. And I wonder what Orlando Franklin, the former offensive lineman with both the Broncos and the Chargers. So a true AFC West guy does radio on the fan in Denver, what he's going to say about the rivalry. Because right now Raiders fans are feeling pretty down. It would be nice to uh, come back and freaking boot the Broncos right in the freaking face. That was worthy of a double freaking. A lot to examine. These two teams have some weird looks early in the year, but one has two wins. One is winless. Little college football. We were just talking to Sam Paniotovich last hour about college football. By the way, I'm not anywhere near caught up on the All-American, but I have to say, because you highly recommended the show, and it's kind of like a... It's kind of soap opery, and it's, I mean, it's a lot of 30-year-olds playing teenagers. Yes. It's built around football, a lot of high school drama. Um, I like it. So, I like it. Coop, I've calmed down on Coop. What season are you on? The hardcore gangster rapper. Um, I don't even know what season I'm on. I'm still pretty early yeah. on. Okay. I'm not going to tell you because I don't want you to ruin it. Do well, not tell gonna, me I any. was going to ask if there was a certain Coop scene that you've seen. No, nah, I haven't seen. Okay. Nope. Nothing. Nothing. Yeah. Um but you mentioned that uh, Texas running back, one of the best in the country, B. John Robinson, is trying to uh, – well, they came up with a remedy for fumbles. What's he doing? Apparently he did. Oh, he did. He he is carrying a ball everywhere he goes. He he had a great game. He was a really good player. He had a great game against Texas Tech but fumbled on the overtime possession, and then Texas Tech could feel able to beat them. So his fumble essentially led to them losing the game. Uh, so he has decided that's never going to happen again. So he's carrying a football everywhere he goes to meals – Everywhere he walks around campus, he said his teammate. He's told his teammates to try to get it away from him at any time they want. And uh, he said even now, students on campus are just walking up and trying to bat the ball out of his hand, trying to swipe it away from him, and he's not letting it go. He will not fumble all day, every day, and make sure that doesn't happen again. Now, how long can this continue? I don't know. Like I feel like this is the kind of thing you do for like two weeks, and then you can't do it anymore. But maybe he does it all year. I don't know. I, I started to go down that path early in the season. I forgot what former player we were talking to because you remember Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon of the Broncos both fumbled right near the goal line. Yeah. And it might have been Nick Ferguson who was on with us. And I wanted to go with like, hey, should they carry around a football like a baby all the time this week <laughs> and take care of it? And then you then you find this story with Bijan Robinson. So I'm, I'm like, he really hey, it happens. He's it really, works. He's really doing it, it works. But as you mentioned in our notes, this is very much like a TV thing. Of course. It and is. the All-American, they would do this. So I'm just going to give you – I'm going to give you a couple it's issues. Like a varsity blues. I'm going to give you a couple issues with the show. And a lot of it comes down to athleticism. Okay. Most of the uh, actors they have playing football players, like, look the part pretty decently. The one who's driving me nuts is the Nevada transfer. That's another thing. No one on that show can say Nevada. No. Nobody. Get it right, but well, but Darnell, yeah, who's in to play for South Crenshaw, cannot throw a football, and he's a quarterback. Every time they do a wide shot of him, he does like this. It's this arm out in front push thing. Yeah, I'm like, bruh, 
You're not 158 in the 164. You're not 164 in the country in the top 300. And by the way, I'm not so sure that Spencer James is number 57. He's a beast. He's, he's good if on I, offense, defense, special teams. What are you talking if about? If I got either number, uh, either one of those numbers correct, I still have it. I think you're, I don't I think, think, think you're I close. did. Uh, I think I got done Darnell wrong. I think I might have gotten Spencer James you, right. You do know that that Spencer is very wire like, right? What do you mean? Spencer is British. Oh, I know. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Just like the, all the I, actors no, on the wire are British. I don't have any problem with the. I mean, some of the acting is terrible, but. Uh, when the physical part of it, when a quarterback can't, when a kid's playing a quarterback and he can't really throw the ball. No, I just mean, I just mean, I don't think football was like a natural thing for, uh, for Spencer James. Oh yeah. Good growing point. up for Daniel Ezra is the, is the kid's right. name. Well, he's got to catch the ball and run, which you could, you could look like a goof catching. Tricky. And, uh, that was, by the, by the way, do you know Spencer James is British? Do you know where Layla is, was born? It's my, one of my favorite TV yeah, you, drama you, trivia you, questions. You told me this already. Yeah, Layla was born in the USSR. Yeah, she's which is Russian. Not even a country. No, Soviet. Oh, she's Soviet. She was born in the USSR. Layla is the character with the rich uh, record-producing dad. Yeah. Now, you once you told me that, now when I look at her, I'm like, you know, I can see some, I don't even know what that means. Whatever, like Eastern <laughs> European, kind of sure, Russian. Sure, You know? Uh, I, I, just, I don't want to go too much in because I don't know where you are. You're fine. Okay. Good You're enough. Fine. You can kind of figure out where I am. They just got the rankings a little while ago. Some people are passing away. Others might be pregnant. I don't know, there's a lot going on. <laughs> I enjoy it, though. It's a, a, good, it's a good show. It's you know, I'm I'll, I'll tell up, you, Okay, so. I, I want to ruin it because this is old. So I'm on the plane uh, for this most recent UNLV football trip, and they have Corey pass away at the end of the episode. Sure. And I'm like 20 minutes from landing. I'm you like, I'm, I'm losing it. That's rough. Like I just started leaking. I'm like, I can't do this right now. By the way, again, I said I won't get away. Now I got to be on the plane watching the show with freaking like blue blocker sunglasses. I on. am well into the, I guess, hopefully it's not a spoiler, well into their college careers at this point. What? Uh, I thought it went on fri- in high school forever. NIL, big storyline this okay, season. Okay, good. Yeah, right. big storyline. Highly recommend a show that's really old. Yes. Well, no, it's not old. Still, it's still making it. It's my, uh, it's my, it's my travel viewing show. So. They're, they're still making it. You're just way behind. I am way behind. But uh, it, it won't be over. Coop's oh. got to get better. R.I.P. Corey. Yes, I agree. That was a good character. Yeah. I was, I was sad to see him go. Well, to get serious, we're glad something horrific didn't happen yesterday to Miles Garrett. Yeah. Do we know more details on this? A rollover? Yeah. It, it was. It was during the middle of the day, right after practice. Uh, he did have a passenger in his car. Um, so there was two people uh, injured, but Miles Garrett, obviously, uh, from a football perspective, uh, there was concern about what his future could hold. It sounds like no broken bones and no concussion. So he passed those uh, preliminary exams. Uh, obviously, the Browns said, first and foremost, thankful that Miles and his passenger were not seriously injured. Um, He's, they said, uh, sustained a shoulder sprain, a bicep strain, minor lacerations, as well as other bumps and bruises to various body, body parts, but no fractures and cleared concussion protocol. So uh, unclear what his status will be, but uh, certainly avoided you know, a dramatic severely severe injury. Uh, so that was a good first step for Miles Garrett and for the Browns to hopefully you know get him back on track. But, um, yeah, even if he misses a game or two, I'm sure the, you know, very thankful that it's not the alternative. Where are you on the Browns right now with the start of the season? 
I mean, I think they're they're a good team that has potential to be great, depending on how quickly, you know, wh- what they can be is if they can be in the mix when Deshaun gets back, and depending how long it takes him. I mean, if he's hitting his stride and they can make the playoffs, they they can be really dangerous in the playoffs. I think they're a really good team. How much is the Jets meltdown going to hurt him? That was terrible. It could. Jets suck. It could. And, I mean, obviously many things had to go wrong Yes, for them to lose that game. A lot of it in their control. Yeah. I mean, Nick Chubb could have not run in, but I, I think in that case, like, the bigger thing is in him scoring. To I mean, you probably should have talked about it on the sideline. Hey, we're down under two minutes. Then on timeouts, just go ahead and go ahead and take a knee. But they get in. You expect to be up 14 points. Missing the extra point was horrific. Horrific in that situation. And then – you still have to drive down the field twice. You still have to recover an onside kick, and they were able to do that. You still have to allow Joe Flacco to beat you, which I feel like is just elite. hilarious. He's elite. He's terrible. Elite quarterback Joe Flacco. It, it was a it was a disaster. Now, if they had lost a couple, you know, another game along the way, it'd be a real disaster. But I think they're just trying to tread water until they get their quarterback back. Cowboys win on Monday night, so now we might have a quarterback controversy down the road. Kidding. Dak Prescott will get the job back, but uh, not the worst thing that at least it appears Cooper Rush could be a caretaker. That all said, I'm not really sure what to think of the win last night. Hey, you know, good for them. They got Pollard and Zeke both going on the ground, so that's massive, especially with their offensive line all beat up. But my question is the Giants. And I haven't been jumping on board. I know, you know, New York was getting all fired up. You know, Dable, great coach. Do the Giants have a chance to be a seven or eight win team, especially in that division? Although they just lost a division game. So, like, didn't even take didn't even take advantage of a game where Dak's out? Well, you say that division, but the Eagles are really good. The Eagles are very good. Yeah. And Daniel Jones, again, showed athleticism. He, he could run the ball, but, I mean, it's just, it's not there. I don't. I don't like the start for my Super Bowl pick because the teams are too good too early. I was hoping they'd peak later on in the season. Who was your Super Bowl pick? Ravens and Eagles. Okay, but I, I, I wasn't on that day. They're peaking too early. I, I wanted them to be better later in the year. I don't like. I don't like when teams are looking this good this this soon. Bad news for you. I picked the Ravens as well. Uh-oh. And now I'm blanking on who my NFC team was. It oh might have been the Eagles. I might have picked Ravens Eagles. Oh boy. Let me look back. But I also I also would can be we excited. Some, can we have some look up music for me? No, I, not music. <laughs> Francesa, look up humming while Adam, you don't need to. I'm kidding. No, I also, I mean, part of my fascination, obviously, I love both quarterbacks and I like what both teams have done around those quarterbacks. But also, uh, could you imagine Philly and Baltimore fans together in Arizona? (laughs) Like how great that week would be. It would be be unbelievable. The mix of those two, not only the, the, the weirdness and craziness of the fan bases, but also the accents. Good Lord, it'll be a mess down there. Because they're pretty close, too. Yeah. People in Phoenix would be like, I, what? <laughs> what's, what's your team are you a fan Got to get the ambulance. Like, what, what is that accent? I had Ravens Niners. Wooder? <laughs> which I guess I feel better about with your Wooder. Uh, Wooder. Better about with Jimmy G in there. Although, Von Tobel was just lighting us up, kind of in theory, uh, about the whole Niners are upgraded with Jimmy G. Because he was saying, listen, they were 10.5 win total with Trey Lance. Like who's who really wants to argue they're better with Jimmy G? What do you think? I mean, I think th- their their upside is not as high for sure. Really, this year their upside is higher with Trey Lance. Yes, I mean he he can do more things on the field, but okay. 
I, I think there might be games that Trey Lance goes out and potentially loses for you, and I don't think Garoppolo is going to do that. So I think it's a, a much higher floor but a lower ceiling. And so that's not what you're looking for when you're looking for to pick a Super Bowl team. You, you don't want the lower floor. Or you don't want the higher floor. You want the higher ceiling. The other issue that emerged in the Giants and Cowboys is the field. Oh. Sterling Shepard is now down for the year, right? Yeah. It's a brand-new stadium. It's not Soldier Field. We've talked about the condition of Soldier Field in referencing the kicker, right? Who talked about the field, basically said the field at Soldier Field in Chicago sucks so much he would find crappy parks around Florida and go kick on those fields to replicate Chicago's conditions. So what's the issue again at Jet Stadium and Giant Stadium? Uh, the turf is just it's atrocious, and it's been talked about. It's by several coaches. It's by artificial several players. Turf. It's not 1985, but it's not. It's not rolled out. It's not, you know, green film rolled out on concrete. Well, it might as well be, according to people that have played there and talked about it. Uh, we've heard just many people talk about it, including uh, John Harbaugh earlier this year was discussing how bad it is, and now last night you had another injury. And I know uh, Odell Beckham was, you know, came out last night and said something else about it. It said it's just awful. It's a terrible field. They shouldn't be playing there. They need to fix it. Uh, they need they need to figure it out if. Look, I have no idea. I don't. I don't know. Well, I would love you're. You're great on these deep dive sure, things, and, 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 and it wouldn't like it wouldn't apply to the Raiders because yeah. they play on grass. I would love to see someone do a little investigation on what the turf field is like, the UNLV turf field at Allegiant, as compared to the Jets and Giants field. You would think would be of the best quality. You would think so. Um, I, I love. I love. Uh, I, I really. I actually, after covering this is so stupid, but after covering a game on grass. Right, and by covering, I mean walking around the field for the first UNLV game, as opposed to the turf. Like I'm such a fat load that I, you know, I'm standing all the time. Like this is terrible to admit, but like I, like I feel a little sore after games. Like walking all around, I do, and, I, and like I notice the difference between the grass field. To me, was less forgiving than the turf that UNLV plays on. Well, the but the other one, small story. It doesn't it, that doesn't apply to players? But Bart Scott was talking about it this morning that there are. That player, he was saying the Ravens had gone back and forth in their own home venue from grass to turf to grass. And he was saying, like, at least with grass, when you do get caught, it's going to rip, right? Yeah. You're going to get a divot. Your foot's going to release. And with some of these turf fields, even with the ones that are all the, you know, the rubber ones, which, you know, is at Allegiant and pretty commonplace uh, everywhere. Same thing, you know, at this last game UNLV was at in Utah State, that sometimes you, you, you get caught in the freaking field. Yeah, it, it's not. It goes beyond that. I mean, obviously, the, the knee injuries are what a lot of people care about for sure. Uh, but just hearing some players talk yesterday also about uh, that the worst, the worst situation for head injuries is back of your head hitting field turf. It's it's worse than much worse than grass. Miami, Buffalo, Tua. That was a back. It was a back injury. No, but I thought his head slammed too. It did. But that was a back injury. Okay. I mean that's that's what the Dolphins have been saying. That's oh, the you're being sarcastic that it, that it, it may have because he looked wobbly when he came up. Well, that was, could have been a nerve in his back that triggered it. That's that's the whole controversy Maybe. that's been developing okay. the last couple of days. Uh, but yeah, that's the wait, what? No, no, keep going. <laughs> okay. No, I was I was I I was gesturing to you because I'm like, shut up, just go. <laughs> not, not you. I'm I, I'm interrupting no. you on stupid points. Uh, but the, no, that was the the conversation over the last couple of days that the the Dolphins, the the medical staff, and the independent uh, people that examined that looked at it and said. It was a back injury, and and you know, I heard Mike McDaniel talk about this a lot yesterday. And uh, when he went over it, it's a weird thing. But yes, the 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 turf could cause 
the worst head injuries as well. It's just it's something to be examined. And another, by the way, just another show. Uh, it's a documentary essentially. Uh, Welcome to Wrexham is my new is the new uh, obsession that I'm watching now. They it's about do you know what the the concept is? It's Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhaney by a lower division team in England. They're trying to get it. It's going to take like 20 years, but they want to try to get it all the way up to the Premier League because you can you can move up as you win. And one of the things they did, they put a new a new turf in. Uh, their first first thing where they're like, hey, we need new grass here. This is definitely important. And the grass didn't take. And they're like, wait, we have to do another one? And the, the guy was like, yeah, I mean, you're going to cause a bunch of injuries. Like, this grass sucks. Like, <laughs> you paid top dollar for this. It, sometimes it just doesn't take. Oh, man. So, like, even grass sometimes, you got to, you know, you got to figure it out, and it's not always perfect. There he is. Mr. Greenfinger. <laughs> That's me. Meteorologist last hour. <laughs> I, I want to say horticulturalist, but I can't I say it very it. easily because yeah. it usually turns into horticulturalist. Can we can we read? Should we give away Roger Wooders tickets here? How do you say it again? How's Baltimore Philly Waters? Wood, Roger Wooders? Wooders? Wooders. You can do a trivia question? Uh, no. Where's, where's Wrexham? Uh, two tickets. Roger Waters, Roger Waters, Water, Water. It's Roger w- Waters. O O D E R S. Yeah, Roger Waters, uh, Pink Floyd. Yeah, of Pink Floyd fame. October first, T-Mobile Saturday Night Show, AXS.com. Ari, caller seven right now. Caller seven three six four eleven hundred three six four one one zero zero. Grab your tickets. Today after Cofield and Company, it's the Marcus Arroyo Radio Show at 6 p.m. right here on ESPN Las Vegas. Devontae Adams chose a perpetually poorly run franchise with a head coach who had failed his previous gig. With a less talented quarterback, though I like Derek Carr, and a historically bad O-line, you have to go back to like the 70s or 80s since we last loved the Raiders' offensive line. Now... Back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Colin Cavard, on the way back. We were just talking a little food during the break. I was talking about my ongoing complaint about chicken, how big chicken set us up a couple of years ago. Now we're all chickenaholics, and oh. uh, you, you can't get cheap chicken anywhere. Well, yeah. Every place that has chicken strips or fingers or bites or whatever, it's pricey. You know where I just was? Where? In the home of hot chicken. Did you do the hot chicken? I did. Did you do Bolton's, the original? No. What? No. You went to the appropriation joint? No. Which, by the way, Hattie B's is awesome. I didn't even have to mention it, people. They have a different spot here in town. Bolton's is the original spot. Well, I'll, t- I'll tell you this. Oh, same. So where'd you go? My, the only very, very successful member of the Hill family is in Nashville. Right. The The pitcher? Well, his, his uncle. His okay. But the the pitcher doesn't live in Nashville anymore. He's he's coaching in the Blue Jays organization. Um, but his uncle, incredibly successful uh, attorney in Nashville. Oh, okay, not sports. No. When I, uh, I, you know, I told him I was coming there, and he said, "All right, listen." He's like, "Every white person you ask is going to say go to Hattie B's." Right. He goes, but he said the he was he was trying to be very careful. He said the younger African Americans in my office will all tell you to go to a place called Prince's. Okay. And I said, okay, cool. So Jayon Brown, obviously of the Raiders, a uh, longtime Titan before he moved here uh, to Vegas, I asked him in the locker room the other day, all right, we're going to Nashville. Where do we have to go? And he said, well, if you're like, he's, I think his quote was, if you're a real one, you go to Prince's. So that was two votes for a place called Prince's. So we did go and great. 
I did. I feel like you can't do real hot chicken. So that was the issue. Yeah, you're kind of a wimp. Is that they have like seven levels you have to decide? Three? I went Level three? With, well, I went with six. You did? So I got four. Are you insane? I got four strips. I got two sixes and two twos. Because oh, I wanted wow. to try it and have yeah. it where I can enjoy it. And then one where I was like, hey, if I'm here, like, let's go. Oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. Now, it was still good. It was still very good. But I will say that it was, it was, you could feel in, in your breathing. Yeah. Like, well, okay, this is, but it was also, I think even for Nashville, which is actually a very affordable city, I think for four strips, it was like 13 or 14. Good size strips though? Yeah. Oh yeah. Good. Mm. And all Good. strips are created, you know, a little bit differently. Sure. But yeah, the sixes were, whew. I've whew. heard, man. Oh boy. I wish I'm, I mean I wish I would have tried seven. Yeah, just the uh, you know. I was referenced that it. ugly delicious episode with uh, David Chang. That was his show, and they did the whole chicken thing. And they went to Hattie B's. They went to Bolton's. I don't think they went to Prince's, but when they went to Bolton's and he got the hottest one, uh, they just basically turned it into like a cartoon with his body melting. <laughs> and they sat there and they were like, "Holy cow!" I think I think they had to do the milk. Well, the po- it so, was that hot. Supposedly the story was the guy was uh, in trouble with his wife. For maybe some extracurriculars, and she tried to really oh. get to him by by putting making his chicken very very hot, and then he just loved it, <laughs> and then created it. As a, that was the story I heard. It could be totally made up, but that was the story. Right I at heard. you, Giselle. <laughs> right at you. Join Cofield and Company on Fridays for the three to six show at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar. There's nothing like a football Friday at Treasure Island. We're still all learning each other. There's a whole new system and everything out there. Everybody's coming together, but there's so much great greatness in store, and I can't wait for it. And everybody just believes in each other. That's that's what football's all about, you know, and, and it's about getting another win in that win column, and we were able to do that. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. 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 All right, an effervescent? Russell Wilson? Let's ride. Boy, everyone loves that. <laughs> it's the best. Everyone loves it. Adam Hill, Steve Cofield, ESPN Las Vegas. Orlando Franklin covers the scene in Denver. Well, hell, he played for the Broncos. He played for the Chargers. So we'll get into the AFC West, but he's a part of the show, the Players Club on the fan in Denver. And he joins Cofield and company here in Vegas. How are you, sir? I'm good. How are you guys doing today, fellas? We're good. Uh, Vegas isn't feeling great right now about the Raiders. I know, you know, Denver fans might be a little down on the Broncos, but they did win two games. The Raiders aren't winless. Yeah, um, we had our share of Josh McDaniels out here with the Denver Broncos <laughs> mm. uh, years and years ago. Uh, so kind of understand how you're feeling. He left us. His last eight with us were losses. So at least just the first three with you guys. Did you think this was going to go badly for the Raiders and McDaniels in his second go-around when you heard about the hire? Uh, yes, because <laughs> I was very previewed to not only from it from a player standpoint, but also a little bit from just what was going on with coaches, right? My father-in-law was on that staff. My father-in-law was the running back coach under Josh McDaniels, Bobby Turner. Uh, so he was with the Broncos for 17 years and has been at like a Shanahan guy, went to, with Mike to Washington and, and was with Kyle for uh, the whole time up, up until last year in San Francisco. Were some of the things that he had issues with the first go-round, you know, 11 years later, he talked about maturing. He talked about learning his lessons. Were there things that you heard about that he could fix, or is it just some stuff is just ingrained and you can never fix it? 
Um, I, I just look at the New England way, right, with Bill Belichick. And anybody that's always been a disciple under Bill Belichick, they have never really caught fire in coaching. And why is that reason? It's a lot because Bill Belichick is just a, a genius football-minded person where he knows enough about every system and scheme where he can put his players into the best position possible while changing the scheme from quarter to quarter out there. And as we all know with offenses, that the best offenses have a set identity. And that's what the issue was with Josh McDaniels when he was out here with the Broncos years and years ago. And I watched Devontae Adams in week one get 17 targets for you guys and have 10 catches and 141 yards. But then I watched last week against Tennessee where you get 10 targets and five receptions where it's a big drop-off. It's kind of the issue is, is really finding the identity. Who, you, who are you guys going to be underneath McDaniels as the head coach? What is, what is the identity so far of Hackett? Yeah, trust me, we're trying to figure it out here <laughs> in Denver as well. <laughs> I, I mean, how much <laughs> how much concern is there? Because obviously it looks it looks bad. There's been some very obvious things that stood out to everybody, but they are two and one. I mean, looks they're not playing well. Everybody knows that, but two and one is certainly better than zero and three. Absolutely. And what I will say to this is, you know, I, I, I get what Nathaniel Hackett tried to do. He tried to mimic uh, what was going on in Green Bay, but Green Bay you had Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams have such a chemistry that. Those guys could not take a rep right now, and if Devontae Adams was to show up in Green Bay, Devontae Adams is going for 100-plus yards this weekend, right? Where you couldn't do that with the Broncos because you got a new Russell Wilson. You're implementing a new system. And, oh, by the way, you have two number one running backs, and you're trying to figure out how that goes. And all I remember, guys, is just I, I, tell, these, I tell people all the time, I played seven years in the NFL. In 2012, that was the hardest training camp that I've ever been a part of. Not physically, but it was hard mentally. And that was because Peyton Manning walked through the door and became a Denver Bronco. And every single day, we would sit there and we would work the passing game and we had to do the one-on-ones. And it took a long time to create that chemistry. But I remember that season, there was a lot of questions here in Broncos country when we were a two-and-three football team staring at two-and-four on Monday Night Football against the Chargers being down 24 nothing. So it took five-and-a-half quarters for Peyton Manning who came and did everything that he could do in OTAs and everything that he could do in training camp, it still took five and a half quarters for this offense to really start clicking. And when I look at Hackett coming here with the Broncos where you have two hard days and then all of a sudden you're doing a walkthrough, basically, and you're giving too, too many breaks where there is no identity and there really is no chemistry at this point. And it's only been three games, I know, but at the same time, how long is it going to take before it clicks? And I anticipate there's going to be some more offensive struggles for the next couple of weeks as well. Former NFL lineman Orlando Franklin is on Cofield and Company, played for the Broncos, the Chargers, closed out his career with uh, the Saints and Washington. I've heard some people say, and maybe, maybe this is a narrative that's going down around Denver, that a lot, you know, some people feel like, hey, uh, Hackett was bait to get Rodgers uh, to Denver, and maybe he wasn't the best candidate for the job. Um, well, you, you got to start looking at some of what some of these coaches are doing, right? Look what Mike McDaniels is doing down there in Miami. And Mike had to come there, and he didn't get to pick his defensive staff, but yet he's a one of two 3-0 and teams. Mike McDaniels didn't even get an interview with the Broncos, but yet started off here as a ball boy and went to high school in Smoky Hill. So 
Uh, I, I look at a situation like that, and if I'm the Broncos, I'm never going to hang my hat on, you know, oh, this is bait to get Rodgers because ultimately you had to see what Green Bay was going to do with Rodgers. And Aaron Rodgers is making a ton of money. So I, I would never really just look at a head coach and say, man, I go get this guy to get another person because now you're stuck with that coach and you don't have that person. What do you think about the new breed of coaches, some of them, um, you know, like Brandon Staley, like McDaniel? I've talked about this a lot. Um, old school football guys, you know, we're used to seeing kind of the the big galoot, the football guys, the head coach, and now we've got kind of the the nerds. Now both of those guys actually played college football, but would you want to play for a guy with super cerebral and maybe not a fire and brimstone screaming guy? So guys, I was actually a part of that San Francisco 49ers staff last year. I did an internship, year long internship, so I got to know Mike McDaniel's really well. Got to know Kyle and his staff, and. You know, I just saw a different way of doing it where those guys were absolutely grinding and, and it's no the, the football of, hey, we're going to line up with I formation and we're going to move guys backward where those days are, are few and far between. It's all about getting edges, letting these running backs read it one gap at a time and having a high-powered play-action offense, but basically being out of a two-tight-end set probably about 70% of the time. So I think that this is where the NFL is transitioning. I love it. I love it as a coach. I love it even more as a player. I wish it would have reared its ugly head five years ago. I'd still be playing because it's so much more easier than when I was playing. But um, I do love it because these, these guys that are grinding, they're figuring out different ways to really expose defenses. So I think this is we're going to see more and more of this continue to happen in the National Football League. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that because I, I, I'm probably the biggest Mike McDaniel fan you'll find anywhere on radio. I, I just love what he does. I love how he operates. Uh, I do wonder, though, as a head coach, the personality he has, the way he bonds with his players, the way he does things, how will that go over if they're losing? If they were 0-3 instead of 3-0, and how would that go over in the locker room? Yeah, it's a slippery slope. Um, I think at that point, you, you, you know, I, I feel like players do really well with coaches that understand that there's 10 inches from the bottom of their back to the middle of their butt. So you're <laughs> patting them on their back while they're doing good and everything is going great. But when you do something messed up and you're losing, you know, you got to be able to go down 10 inches and kick them in the butt and get after guys. Um, it, it's, it's respect, right? Guys will respect you no matter what if you know what you're talking about in the National Football League. If you are constantly teaching guys why you're doing this, which that is that Shanahan tree, and you see it with Brandon Staley, you see it with Kevin O'Connell, you see it with uh, Nathaniel Hackett, Mike LaFleur, Kyle Shanahan, they're constantly talking about the why. And then when they install some of these plays, they go back to the origin, like where, where this play first showed up in the National Football League and how it's evolved. And I think that really helps guys out and validate those guys as well. So if you are doing that, now those coaches are able to get after those players as well. We talked a lot about Hackett in, in Denver. How much of this is on Russell Wilson? I think there's a good part of it that's on Russell as well. Um, you know, I think you can, when it comes to football, the ultimate team sport, you cannot just point one finger at one person. Uh, Russell Wilson, in the first two weeks, there with the Broncos, he's rushed for, he rushed for five yards. Last week, he rushed for 16 yards, and it wasn't great. You know, he didn't go out there and average. You know, it wasn't like one rush for 16 and he averaged 16 yards or anything like that. His stat line looked horrible in running the football, but it still it possessed the threat. When Russ, possesses, when Russ shows teams that he is willing to step up in the pocket, 
He's willing to pull the ball down. He's willing to act like he has that running motion. He's going to take off with it. That's going to suck up a defense because defensive coordinators are typically not accounting for the quarterback. So the fact that that was very non-existent the first two games, this offense really, really struggled. And, you know, Nathaniel Hackett's not doing Russell Wilson any favors as well when he gets in front of the media and talks about, hey, we, you know, it's all about Russ and we do what Russ likes and, and things like that. So it's almost like your head coach is throwing your quarterback that's going to be here for the next five to seven years underneath the plus sometimes. Former Bronco Orlando Franklin is with Cofield and company. I, I, I was just thinking this because the, the Broncos do come here to Vegas this week. When the Broncos come to Vegas to play next year in 2023, is Nathaniel Hackett the coach? No, stop. One and I, done? I do. Yeah, no, I, so I 100% believe that Nathaniel Hackett will be the coach. It's how many of his disciples on this coaching staff that will be there next year. I think mm. that's the big question because Nathaniel Hackett has an analytic guy, a guy that was, you know, he went to for questions during games. And as you guys saw this past week, you know, Nathaniel Hackett was asked last Tuesday if he was going to plan on making any changes to his staff, and then Jerry Roseburn showed up on Thursday. And Nathaniel <laughs> said no on Tuesday. So I think, you know, how you got to look at it is, you know, George Payton went out on a limb and hired Nathaniel Hackett because when these coaches come in and interview for a job, they have a list. They have their list of guys that they think is going to be the offensive coordinator and the guys that they want at certain positions. Nathaniel Hackett brought a lot of guys from the college level. So I do believe he'll be here next year, but I will think it will be strongly suggested if the Broncos don't have a winning season that he moves on from some of his assistant coaches. Who's going to win the game this week? I got the Broncos winning, man. I'm a homer, baby. <laughs> I know Dr. Nolan and Hunter Renfro might be going, and the Broncos haven't been able to cover the tight end, and we haven't won with the Raiders since Peyton left. But I, I really believe that this defense is really playing really, really well. And if anything, the Broncos are going to figure out, hey, let's run the heck out of the football this week. This, uh, They're more than that because it's the Raiders week. Sorry to cut you off there. This rivalry still means something to you? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. We're glued in, having a party at the house, having all my radio mates over at the station coming by. This rivalry absolutely means something. They'll, they'll, this rivalry will never go away because I remember getting driving up to the black hole and watching six- and seven-year-olds sticking up fingers that I don't even know they should know what that finger means. <laughs> so uh, this rivalry will always mean something to me. Hey, hey but before we let you go, we wanted to get a little lifestyle advice. Uh, we're a little chubby. Um, when I looked at photos of you now and when you played football, what the heck did you do? What an amazing transformation weight-wise. Yeah, so I lost 110 pounds during COVID. And um, how I did it was, honestly, guys, a baby number two was coming. I knew that we were going from zone to man-to-man defense with the kids. <laughs> and I, I, um, I put the bottle down. I, I'm two and a half years sober. That's been a big part of it oh, okay. for me. Started walking five miles a day, Monday through Saturday, so I was walking 30 miles a week and eating paleo. And that walk-in, you know, when I was 350 pounds, two years removed from retirement, I couldn't really run. And my knees hurt, my back hurt. I had a 10-minute stretch routine. With that walking, then went to jogging, then went to running. And, you know, I've ran three half marathons, four 10Ks, two 5Ks, and I've been skydiving eight times. Oh, wow. Jogging. That's awesome. Yeah. That's all. Yeah, we've had Nick Hardwick on, and, uh, you know, Nick went, like, down 100 pounds. He's like a freaking bodybuilder now at 240. Nick lost all that weight during the season, guys. At the start of that season, Nick was still chubby like me. 
in, like I was. And then we he got put on IR and showed back up like ten weeks later. Wow! And Nick, amazing. It's crazy. Wow! Crazy. Well, good for you guys. Congrats on your weight loss, and we appreciate a couple minutes. We'll be tuning into the Players Club, and thank you so much. Hey, thanks a lot for having me, guys. You guys enjoy your week. You too. Good there he is, man. Orlando Franklin. Big offensive lineman. Well, formerly. He's still 6'6". Six, six, yeah. But not, you know, 330. So he lost uh, over 110 pounds. That's crazy. How impressive. nuts is that? Yeah, impressive. And then you're th- I'm like, I could do that. Nah, I don't, I don't know if I could. I was just telling a story 20 minutes ago about preferring turf over grass when I'm walking around a football <laughs> game. <laughs> Maybe following Orlando's lead might help. How many, how many steps you get? Are you counting them? I think the step thing on the phone is stupid. It's not. It's, not, it's accurate. It's not accurate. I, I watch it, it. It like triples up your steps. That's when it's because it's, it's slow and then it jumps. If you I, actually count, I think in, in and around the football game, and I had to I had to turn off the phone a bunch of times because my battery's like it's always going. And and believe me, I have I have chargers on the sideline. I got looking for plugs and everything. I think for the day I did like thirteen thousand steps. Wow. But good. Like yeah, but that's got to be every day. There's got to be a, just a football uh, game day. There's got to be a plug over by the slot machine, right? Uh, you know, I, I haven't looked. Um, no, because that—that's—that's that's their area. Can you imagine if I started jerking with the plug and you know, you unplugged here, the here comes Aiden Robbins, you know, <laughs> scoring his fourth touchdown of the game, and they're like, "It doesn't work." Who's got the charger and the plug? What'd you do? Why'd you unplug it? Want the skinny on UNLV football? Listen to the weekly UNLV All Access podcast with Cofield and Caleb Herring. A new episode drops each Thursday morning at UNLV All Access on Twitter. Cofield and Company presents Grab Bag. Don't touch it. Don't even look at it. Only on ESPN Las Vegas. Stick your hand in there, Dave. Marcus Arroyo Radio Show is coming up, a special Tuesday edition because of the short week with a Friday game. The Arroyo Show is on the way, so I'll be here. Caleb Herring, John Von Tobel. Helping out today as Russ Langer is on the road. Adam Hill, Cofield, Ari. So we close things out in the grab bag. Get in there again. Stick your hand in there, Dave. As I said about an hour ago when I was teasing ahead to Orlando Franklin coming on, former NFL lineman who played for the Broncos and the Chargers, I wanted to ask him about the rivalry. And he said, yeah, he's into the rivalry. I forgot the cherry on top of the rivalry for former Broncos is guys who were around, you know, say like 2006 era to like Orlando 2013-14, who either were there for Josh McDaniels or came right after Josh McDaniels, or in Franklin's case, had a relative who coached on the staff. (laughs) My God, that guy left a sour taste in the mouth of a lot of Broncos. We've had Ryan Harris on. He annihilates McDaniels. And Franklin went in on him at the beginning of the interview and and again later in the interview. And he really wouldn't back off when I was asking him, hey, can you change? He's like, eh. Kind of lukewarm on it. Man, the Bronco community. They don't like him. They don't. <laughs> well, he was, they he don't. Was, I mean, one of the things I've heard is that he was very young. Yeah. We know that he was very young, but one of the things I've heard from people, he was just young and didn't know how to manage a lot of relationships. It was more like, hey, I coach football. Like, no, right. you also have to be a human being. Right. 
And I'm 32 year old Belichick. Yeah. No, you're not. He's got wins. <laughs> sure. And equity. Yeah. And, and, so, and then when the transition was made to Hackett, that was kind of interesting to hear him say about Hackett. There could be some change. I mean, we're three games into the freaking season, but there could be some changes with Hackett. And that's another angle on Nathaniel Hackett. Hackett was hired. The team was sold. So I'm sure the new owners are especially kind of harsh looking at this thing. That's a good question on your part. Next year's games against the Broncos, will Hackett be here? Or game here in Vegas, will he be here? You don't really believe that, do you? That he could be a one and done? Look, I love him as a person, but the thing is, <laughs> it's... The I expect- love him as a- What are you, Stephen A.? The expectations are so high. And his mistakes have been so public and egregious yeah. that if they don't work out, if it doesn't work out this year, and again, they're two and one. Think about that. They are two and one, and it, it is hair on fire panic. That's so crazy. There's only two teams with a better record than, than them in all of football. It is, it is panic time because of the mistakes there. So if they were to fall short of expectations and not make the playoffs potentially – isn't that a possibility if your coach has made – say there's two more games that end the way the first one did with just an egregious coaching decision costing you a game. At that point, isn't it a possibility he's not here? Maybe. Because it's not just losing games. It's, it's the very public and obvious way in which they've lost because of coaching decisions. One game. The best NFL city slash market in the AFC West is not here yet. It's not Las Vegas. It's not L.A. because the Chargers are a transplant. Is it, is it Kansas City or Denver? It's, well, I think it's Denver. In terms of fan following and like hair on fire moments, it's it's a it's a better football market. I just I'll judge it off of sports radio, and I like a lot of the we're friends with you know Petro who's on in Kansas City. We have friends in Denver too. Yeah, but no, that's what I'm saying. On Denver radio, it's freaking Broncos all year long, and they're two and one. And they're freaking out. Season's over. Right? <laughs> they love Broncos football. They do. You want to do it again? Let's ride. <laughs> Let's ride. Let's ride. Why wasn't <laughs> so good? Yeah, it's funny. For the, way, when... for the rest of the week, we need that. Yeah, I know. We when <laughs> I was going to say, why wasn't there a a Broncos organization representative there? Like, that might have been in-house production, right? Oh, definitely was. Like, could they not have explained to him, like, you don't, this does not sound good. This is really important. You can't F this up. No, I think the releasing it is the problem. Because I think what he was doing is giving them a lot of different options. Right. Don't release all of them. And he's doing it. He's doing it. So he's like, hey, look, here's, you have 30 options to choose from. And they're like, hey, this would be fun to just put this whole thing on the internet. Like, no, it won't. It's a disaster. Yeah, I was listening to, uh, I don't think it was the fan. It was um, Crackman Station. What is it? Uh, Altitude. And their midday show that has, uh, now I'm blanking out his name. Who's a 6'11 dude who plays? Scott Hastings, right? Yeah. Just freaking all the time with the Let's Ride. I'm like, they're still mocking on this? Like six, whatever, two months later? Well, you know, the the whole cast on McAfee does it every hour. That's how they start every hour. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's every hour. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, Here's another hour coming. Let's ride. <laughs> the, whole, the whole crew. But I get what you're saying. He was giving them lots of versions. Yes. But now what it does is the let's ride. Let's, let's ride? 
that all front? goes into. And by the way, this guy got a lot of trouble for this, but people use it regularly, right? Remember when Rob Parker called him a cornball? Called yes. him a cornball, a cornball brother, yes. right? And everyone's like, oh! Like, people call him corny all the time now. He's a nerd. Cornball. Just let Russ be Russ. <laughs> Just let Russ cook. Let's rock. <laughs> All right, Coach's Show on the way. Marcus Arroyo Radio Show. Rebels out to a great start to 3-1. They have a game coming up on Friday. Grab your tickets at UNLVtickets.com. 60 minutes of college football and Rebel football talk is on the way.